few minutes ago. But uh, it's beautiful. It's really pretty. It's uh, not like anything that you experience up there in the north. My friends Todd and Lisa Schiltz up in Wisconsin and some others that uh, are from those places up there. Uh, yeah, my buddy Kevin Baird in uh, Colorado and even our daughter and son-in-law and their family in Washington, D.C. area. They don't get very much, but they get a whole lot more than we do. But this is the first time we've had snow here in a while, pretty good while. Um, and we'll see how much comes. They're expecting one to three inches. So um, pretty pretty much gets people up here excited about this. But we also know that um, it's a whole lot more in some other places. And we want everyone to enjoy it and appreciate God's wondrous blessing as he paints uh, his world in this area. Uh, a pretty picture of a snowy afternoon but um, uh, we also want everyone to be safe when they have to travel on it uh, so welcome welcome this is bill's uh, facebook live uh, message and bible study um, if you're watching live then great wonderful to have you if you're watching uh, online through our website westerwin.com uh, and you have found our broadcast, which happens at 6 p.m., or you're watching it in our archives a little bit later than that. Welcome to you as well. I'm looking forward to these studies. We'll do this every afternoon on Sundays, every Sunday afternoon. On my Facebook page, we'll do it live at 4 p.m. Central Time. And then after that, it will still be on my page, of course. We'll post it to our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages after that. And uh, then at 6 p.m. on Sunday afternoons, we'll broadcast it at our website, westerwin.com. Uh, Irwin spelled E-R-W-I-N, uh, because that's the street our church building is on. We've been in the downtown Tyler area uh, since 1885. Uh, and so West Irwin Church of Christ, but westerwin.com. And then you scroll over where it says social media and resources, and then click on the live streaming page. You'll see the big blue box there if it hasn't started yet. And that's where we show our uh, 10 a.m. Sunday morning services live. And my afternoon Bible study at 6 p.m. is broadcast uh, there uh, after recording it earlier as we're doing right now. So again, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you. Uh, hope that you are well. Hope that uh, you and your loved ones are doing okay. We have a lot of prayer concerns right now, prayer concerns for our nation because of this uh, continued uh, pandemic uh, that is affecting us. We pray that God will bless us and will take care of us, and we pray for good uh, days ahead and that this the, the vaccines that they are using will be effective. Uh, we pray, of course, for our nation at a very volatile political time and a transition time from one administration to another after the elections in November and the uh, uh, all the hearings and everything that's happened uh, that led up to the uh, House and the Senate um, uh, certifying the election this past uh, Wednesday in spite of the turmoil and the shocking display uh, that we saw. And we pray that everyone is safe. We pray for those whose lives were threatened and whose lives actually were lost. And the family members, uh, especially the family of the uh, police officer that was killed on Wednesday, Officer Brian Sicknick and others who have been uh, affected especially by all of that. We ask our God uh, to help our nation and to bring healing and hope 
we as Christians, as the church, I believe, are the ones that should take the lead in that. Uh, we know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Uh, we know that he is the Lord of all. And so we try to live that way. I began a Bible study, a, a sermon series this morning in our worship time on the book of Romans, Righteousness Living in 2021. And if you haven't uh, uh, seen that, I hope that you'll go to that face, that uh, uh, westerwin.com live stream page. You scroll down underneath the blue box and you'll see a link that says video archives. And all of my previous lessons are there, including these that I've recorded uh, on Facebook. Uh, that's been happening over the about the last year. It's almost been a year since I first started doing those. And even our uh, sermons uh, go back a whole lot further than that about four years or so uh, that you can find on the video archives. So uh, no excuse for not being able to sleep at night. Just uh, link in there and get Bill started and you'll drift right away if it's late at night. But I do hope that you'll take part in these studies. The Roman study on Sunday mornings, the, uh, the Mark study that's going on that we're starting up right now. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Central Time, I do a Facebook Live study. And right now we're uh, just started a study of the book of Colossians, which is a great study, very important for what we're doing uh, as trying to live uh, to the glory of God in uh, 2021 <clears throat> here in America and uh, throughout the world. So I hope that you'll take part in that as well. That's Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Central Time. And then, of course, it's posted uh, after that to those same sites. Uh, but for now, we're beginning a, a study of the book of Mark, and I call it the Action Gospel, uh, because this is, um, uh, this is how it starts in Mark chapter 1, the first couple of verses, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him and then it goes right into john the baptist <laughs> that's a little bit different isn't it from the other gospel accounts from for example matthew begins by giving the genealogy of jesus who was a descendant of king david a descendant of abraham and uh, and that's how matthew starts and then he gives the genealogy and we hear a, a lot obviously quite a bit about uh, Joseph, um, the, uh, who would become the husband of Mary. Uh, and then the uh, wise men, the magi visiting. Uh, Matthew kicks into all of those things. And then uh, ultimately Jesus, of course, being called Emmanuel and that great um, uh, uh, prophecy of Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 7. And Luke, Luke begins it a little bit differently. Uh, Luke begins it with the birth narratives of John the Baptist and Jesus as he talks about the angel visiting uh, Zechariah and how Zechariah and Elizabeth would conceive. Oh, finally, much a very similar story to Abraham and Sarah, a very similar story uh, to the wonderful godly woman Hannah, a similar story to even Isaac and Rebekah. Uh, but ultimately, Zechariah and Elizabeth, both descendants of Levi, of Zechariah, a priest, uh, were, um, and descendants of Aaron, um, and they would ultimately have a boy, and he would become, he would, his name would be John, and he would become John the Baptist, a very strong-willed child, I think, uh, but had exactly what God needed uh, for that person to proclaim, as, as Mark tells us, 
uh, to get ready, for people to get ready for the coming of the Lord. Uh, and then, of course, John begins uh, even earlier than Genesis 1-1, which starts out in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Um, John begins even before that. He begins uh, with these words, this great prologue to the Gospel of John. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, and so even long before creation, uh, we find that a nature and form of God uh, that he describes as the Word, and then ultimately the Word became flesh as we skip down to John 1, verse 14. Well, Mark doesn't start his that way. Uh, he, is, uh, he, he is quick to the point, and he begins by talking about the coming of Jesus, the preaching of John the Baptist, and then the preaching of Jesus to repent uh, for the kingdom of God is uh, close at hand. Um, and so it's uh, exactly what, um, what uh, uh, Jesus was talking about, and Mark begins right there. He doesn't waste any time, as it were, uh, but he does talk about this great and wonderful gospel. And so I want to share a few things in introduction. If you're watching this live, uh, welcome. I see a lot of folks have, uh, have signed on. And I'm, uh, I'm hoping that you uh, are able to continue. We've had a little bit of in and out, it seems, perhaps due to the weather, but perhaps not. But hopefully you're still with me and, uh, and we are able to continue uh, on. And if you're watching this later, as we broadcast it at 6 p.m. or even later, uh, welcome to you as well. And I pray uh, God's blessing upon you and upon us as we begin this, um, this study. It's interesting as we think about who this is, this uh, Gospel of Mark, who exactly we're talking about. Um, as we read, there's no Gospel of Peter. Uh, we hear about Paul in his letters. We hear about Peter a little bit in his two letters. But we hear uh, mostly about Paul and his perspective on the Gospel from his traveling companion and fellow missionary, uh, Luke. Luke gives us a good example of what Paul would have written probably had he written a gospel, um, and, uh, and Luke writes uh, the gospel of Luke, Mark was a companion of uh, the apostle Peter. And Mark was close to the apostle Peter, and we get that from uh, early church fathers, as they are called, from some of the early history of the church. Uh, Papias, Eusebius, Irenaeus, uh, others mention in those first um, decades of the church in the first couple of centuries as they look back and talk about the sources uh, they mentioned that it was uh, as that Mark was very close to the Apostle Peter and um, and so we get that over those first few centuries and we see that connection between uh, the Apostle Peter and uh, this man by the name of Mark so exactly who was he? Well, he's probably the one that's referred to in the New Testament as John Mark. Um, and we read about him as early as the book of Acts. Uh, his home uh, in Jerusalem was likely the meeting place of the Christians there, according to Acts chapter 12. And we, we read about a young man at the end of this gospel, towards the end of it, in Mark 14, who when Jesus was arrested, he was following the group. And he actually was going to be arrested himself, it seems like, but he fled and he ran uh, away and apparently he left his garment behind. And so he 
uh, scripture says he fled without clothes on uh, when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's there's a lot of subjection of uh, perspectives that say that was probably uh, that was probably the author. He doesn't name that person, but it may very well be that Mark was telling his own story uh, there. He was a relative of Barnabas, as we know, and he accompanied Paul and Barnabas on that first mission journey uh, that we read about in Acts 13 and 14 as they were sent off from the church at Antioch of Syria. Uh, but unfortunately, they don't get very far, and uh, Mark leaves. He goes back home to uh, Jerusalem, and because of that, as you know, the Apostle Paul, when they were getting ready to go on what we call uh, Paul's second mission journey uh, <clears throat> after the Jerusalem conference in Acts 15, uh, Barnabas wanted to take Mark with them again, and Paul said no. He said no, I don't, I don't think he should go. I don't think he should go, and it was such a strong conflict that they went uh, their separate ways. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, very good friends. Barnabas had been there, went to bat for Paul when he first became a Christian and told, introduced him to the uh, leaders of the church, the apostles and others in Jerusalem and said, yeah, he's on the level. He is as strong as he was against us. He is now for us. Um, and that they went through a lot and went on that first mission journey and suffered together and preached the gospel together and ordained elders in those cities that they had visited earlier as they were going back home. But when it came time to go again, Barnabas wouldn't budge and wanted to take Mark. Paul wouldn't budge and didn't want him to go. And so Barnabas went with Mark one direction and preached the gospel. Uh, Paul chose Silas, uh, who had uh, gone with them to Antioch from Jerusalem. And obviously Paul and Silas had become close. Uh, and they went off a different direction and they found Timothy very early and Timothy was um, circumcised. His father was a Greek. His mother was a Jewish Christian. And uh, Timothy, they wanted to take him as well, and they did. And he became, as you know, Paul's son in the gospel. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy are the ones who take part in that second and third mission journey. And Barnabas takes this man, the author of this gospel, Mark, his relative, a cousin, nephew, something, uh, with him on and went a different direction. It's interesting that as we continue to read through the Gospels and through the letters in the New Testament, we find that Paul and Barnabas and even John Mark, uh, they were able to restore their relationships. Peter calls Mark his son in the Gospel, just like uh, Paul refers to Timothy in 1 Peter 5.13. And Paul even mentions uh, later on in some of his other writings, in Colossians 4 and in Philemon and in 2 Timothy 4, he mentions how valuable Mark is to him in the gospel. And so whatever happened there and the difficulties that they had, they were able to, um, to get over with and, and they were able to move forward in their relationship, but also move forward and more importantly move forward as they were co-workers uh, for the preaching of the gospel in the first century. Uh, Mark relied heavily, as we said, on the experiences of, of Peter. We read that from those early church historians and, and quotes from early church um, uh, writers. And one person has said, basically, Mark is the most blunt and clipped of the Gospels. And so that's why I call Mark the action gospel, because he gets right to it. He gets right to the story of Jesus. He gets right to the preaching of John the Baptist. 
and he gets right to the preaching and ministry of Jesus himself. And so uh, as we continue on, we hear those things get started very, very, very quickly. Um, and that's exactly how that works. There's so much in uh, these, this first chapter or two in the Gospel of Mark because that's what he does. He gets right to it. So I want us to get right to it as well uh, and to read these first verses of the Gospel of Mark. And um, again, my goal in these studies is going to be to keep it at 30 minutes. And that's going to be a chore, but we're going to do it. Uh, the Gospel of Mark has 16 chapters, and my goal is to cover uh, about a chapter a day. Today we won't get quite through chapter 1 because of all the introductory stuff, but we'll make up the time on the next chapter and the next lesson next Sunday. But the goal is a chapter each week, 30-minute um, study, and I'm really hoping and praying that you will take part in these. If you take part in them live, like several of you have, I'm looking at the names on there, and it's great to see all of you but also uh, watching it at our broadcast on our website um, at 6 p.m. Uh, let some others know that there's this opportunity to study God's Word together and to read through this story of the life and ministry of Jesus as Mark records it in the Gospel of Mark. I think it's such an important thing for us to consider how Jesus interacted with the people of his day and how he spoke to the leaders and those in authority of his day and also how he ministered to all of those who needed to hear uh, of the word of God. And Jesus was willing to do here? that exact mm -hmm. thing. Uh, we're hopeful and prayerful that, um, that he will be able, that others will here? be able to take part in these studies. So I want us to read the first 15 verses of Mark, and that's probably as far as we're going to get today. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, make ready, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the paths for him. That great quote from Isaiah chapter 40. And so, verse 4, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. I told you the guy was going to be strong-willed and a little bit strange from the start, and he was. But his message was strong. When you read Luke's account, Matthew's account, you read about how strong his message was commanding people, if they were going to come to him for baptism, then they were going to have to repent. It was not just a matter of dunking them in the Jordan River, but it was a call for them to change their lives and to begin to look forward to the kingdom of God. That's what, that's what John was preaching. And, that's, uh, and so let's read on. <clears throat> Verse 7. This was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Matthew speaks of this as well. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. 
and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. What a great and, and important moment for Jesus and for John, as Mark records the baptism of Jesus. And we know some of the rest of the story from Matthew's account, how John tried to talk him out of it. Lord, I, I need to be baptized of you. You're the one that's going to baptize everyone with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I, I'm just here announcing you're coming. And yet Jesus said, no, let it be so for now, John. Uh, let's, let's fulfill the prophets. Let's fulfill the word. Let's fulfill all righteousness. Uh, I need to do this, and you need to be the one that does it. And so Jesus, of course, was baptized by John. And then the Spirit descending like a dove, this voice of authority, one of those rare moments in Scripture, but there are several, where we see the Trinity in a clear, clear way. God the Father speaking from heaven. This is my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Uh, God the Son, the person, the physical person of Jesus of Nazareth, and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Uh, an incredible, incredible moment. And one that I know that, that John held to be very, very special. Um, and he'll have his doubts later, as we know. But he continues to be a strong preacher of truth. And it ends up having, putting him in prison and ultimately having him beheaded uh, by Herod because of uh, selfishness from, um, from Herod's wife and Herod's weakness. Um, at once, verse 12 of Mark 1. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Again, we read more about that in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, and that's going to be the pattern. Mark, the shortest of the Gospels, and so he's not going to waste a lot of time. Not that the other Gospel writers do, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that his, his focus is very sharp, uh, very clipped, as someone said earlier. And, um, and so we, he mentions the baptism of Jesus. He mentions uh, the uh, temptations, and that's about all he does. And Matthew 4 and Luke 4 give us more of that story, and it's a very interesting one as well. As we see Satan himself, uh, after tempting Jesus to um, turn these stones into bread because he's been fasting for 40 days, um, and Jesus says no, and he quotes scripture from Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Satan gets that figured out, and he quotes Scripture in the next two temptations that Matthew and Luke record. And today it's very important for us to remember that just because a group or an individual or a preacher or anybody else uses Scripture, that doesn't mean they're using it faithfully. And we see that so much in our society today. Uh, even uh, from a political perspective, as people try to justify their actions based on a scripture here and there. Uh, we want to get into it. We want to do what the Berean Christians did in Acts 17, as they searched the scriptures earnestly and studied to see if what they were hearing, in this case from the Apostle Paul, was true. And I think that's a good practice for us as well. Jesus responded to Satan's abuse and misuse of Scripture with more Scripture and answered each time. Um, and so Jesus is uh, uh, baptized by John. He is tempted and cared for uh, and then begins his ministry. And so we read that in Mark chapter 1 beginning at verse 14. 
After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Very similar to what John the Baptist had been preaching before he was put in prison. Um, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And uh, now Jesus says, repent and believe the good news, the gospel, uh, the coming of the Lord. It's here. This long-awaited time that we've read about and heard about for centuries now is about to take place. The prophets are about to be fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. And that's the message of John the Baptist. That's also the message of Jesus of Nazareth. We read from Mark how he uh, continues to, um, to have this uh, play and to have this statement and this message, the same one uh, that Mark, uh, that John had shared. Mark gives us the account of Jesus beginning his ministry, proclaiming the gospel, pro proclaiming the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Same message that we can share today. The kingdom of God has come. Kingdom of God is near. It's right here. And if you will accept it, and if you will respond in faith, then you will take part in that kingdom. But we must do the same things that John said to do, that Jesus said to do. Repent. Jesus said, change your life. Accept that call from Jesus that if you want to be his disciple, you have to deny yourself. Not fulfill every selfish desire, but deny yourself. Take up your cross rather than get your way actually live a sacrificial life for the sake of others for the sake of obedience to the word and will of god deny yourself take up your cross and follow after jesus uh, john is put in prison jesus begins his preaching uh, we'll hear about uh, john's uh, doubts while he's in prison and sending his disciples to jesus uh, and then ultimately um, john's life being taken believe the good news believe the gospel and repent um and so i hope that you'll read the gospel of mark it's only 16 chapters that's what we're going to be covering uh and we'll like i said we'll finish up chapter one and get through chapter two next sunday uh, but it's going to be a great great story um and uh and it's going to be a, a a great reminder to us of the life and ministry of christ and how he brought the word of the Father and how he gave his life on the cross for our sins. We talked about that this morning as we began the study of the book of Romans. Um, this call to righteousness living, but this call to live righteously before God because we have been given the righteousness of God by faith through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so the question that we end with today, what are you looking for in a Messiah? What are you looking for in a Savior? What are you looking for in the Lord? If it's something uh, like what we see in the political world on all sides, then you're not going to find it. But if you're looking for one who is faithful, one who is true, one who is humble, one who has such a great and sacrificial love, that he would give his life for you so that you could live 
and rather than himself, then you've come to the right place. If you're looking for a genuine, honest servant whose life and death are a call to action for us to live and to die the same way, to give our lives as living sacrifices, uh, claiming that great salvation that is brought to us by the one we will be reading about in this Gospel of Mark, well then I have good news. Jesus died for you. Look forward to sharing this story of the Gospel of Mark with you in the weeks ahead. May God bless you.